Thank you for joining us. This is Salt and Light Baptist Church, and I am Pastor Justin Walker. We're glad to have you here today. We're going through the book of Genesis. It's a book of foundations. Not only the foundations of God's Word, but the foundations of the entire world in which we live. And we see Genesis divided into two major sections. The first is in the first 11 chapters. It's the creation of the world. It's the fall of man. It's the global flood of Noah. It's the dispersion where men are scattered abroad across the earth. And then the Bible will zoom in in chapters 12 through 50, the Bible zooms in the stories into Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. And so grab a Bible and come along with us today as we continue our study through Genesis. All right, grab a Bible and turn it open to Genesis chapter 21 and find verse 22. You guys are picking up with this, right? We just keep going straight through. We don't skip a thing. Sometimes I do it twice. All right, so Genesis 21 and, and find verse 22. And uh, as you find that, I want to tell you that there was a, a lady that she came in uh, my fabric store a few years ago. Uh, I say a few, probably like five or six years ago. And really before that, you might remember that like 11 years ago, 11 or 12 years ago, Apple really revolutionized the cell phone. And one of the things that they've revolutionized, we do it all the time, we, we don't even think about it, it's so natural anymore in our movements, but they revolutionized something. They had what was called pinch to zoom. You know what that is, right? That's where you, you pinch and make it bigger or smaller. Well, this old lady was in my store, and she wanted me to see the color in her rug. And so she's trying to show that to me, and she's looking all on her phone. She goes, my granddaughter knows how to do this. I don't know how to make that picture bigger. And I said, well, you just pinch to zoom. And I promise you this woman reached up and started pinching at the corners of her phone. And she goes, I don't, I don't know what to do. Where? And sometimes we do that. Like sometimes we hear a term. Like we, we hear it so often, but we don't necessarily define it. And in the church, there's a term that you hear, you've heard it here. And I know you've heard it in, in other churches that you, if you've attended church, I'm sure you've heard the term, the new covenant. Uh, when we take communion or the Lord's Supper, we'll pass out a, a wafer. And we, first we take that and we remember how Jesus said, as he took the bread that night at the Last Supper, that he broke the bread and he said, uh, he said this is my body which is broken for you. And then he says, take and eat. And so we pray and give thanks, and then we eat that bread. And then we take a little cup, and, uh, and this little, uh, it's not really a shameless plug, but it's a little bit of a plug for Wednesday night. Um, I, I've been under the impression for a while that when the Lord did the Lord's Supper, he didn't exactly mean what we do today in church with a little <laughs> cup and a little wafer. And so Wednesday night, we're going to have an actual meal, and in the middle of that meal, we're going we're gonna to commemorate the Lord's Supper uh, so I'm encouraging you to come. I don't know what's with my silly little names lately, but I like it. The Lord's Supper, Supper. That's Wednesday night. You come if you get a chance. Uh, on Wednesday night, it'll be at 7 o'clock, and we're going to do a meal, and we'll do the Lord's Supper then. But remember that he had uh, the cup. He had the wine. And Jesus said something. Remember what he said? He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Drink all of it. And so we pass that cup. And we always think when we, when we commemorate the Lord's Supper, we talk about the body and we talk about the blood. Well, today I want to focus in on that other line, the new covenant. What is that? I don't, I'm not asking you to answer out loud, but I'm asking you to rhetorically think for a moment. If, if I was to ask you to define, if we were on a Wednesday night Bible study and I said, could you define the new covenant? Could you do that? Because that's what we're going to do today. We're going to define the new covenant through this story. You know this guy. This is Abimelech. We've seen him before. It's Genesis 21. Find verse 22. Do you have it? And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham saying, 
God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, with, your, with my offspring, with my posterity, but, but that according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and the land in which you have dwelt. And Abraham said, I will swear. Then Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of the well of water which Abimelech's servants had seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know. Who has done this thing? You did not tell me, nor had I heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. And then Abimelech asked Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs which you have set by themselves? And he said, You will take these seven ewe lambs from my hand that they may be my witness that I have dug this well. Therefore he called that place Beersheba, because the two of them swore an oath there. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba. And so Abimelech rose with Phicol, the commander of his army, and they returned to the land of the Philistines. And then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and they called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines many days. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we turn to you and only to you. Father, if our minds are distracted right now, would you please focus us on you? Our great and awesome king has invited us into his throne that we may ask of him. Father, we ask of you that you would allow us to come into your throne room and to seek you and seek your face. And you who have promised that if we who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will you give us the Holy Spirit if we ask? So, Father, we quote you at your word and we ask you for your Holy Spirit. You say that if we lack wisdom, we can ask and you give liberally and, don't, and you upbraideth not. Father, would you please right now give us wisdom about your word? Father, we are so guilty of reading your word and not taking it as seriously as we should. Would you please speak to our hearts today? Speak through your word today. Would you draw us closer to yourself? We want to be close to you. You are king. You are matchless. You are, you are magnificent. May your name be glorified. And Father, would you draw us close to you? We love you more than everything, more than anything. May your name be praised in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, look. It's verse 22. And it came to pass at that time... That Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham, saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now, here's Abimelech. Abimelech's relationship with Abraham will start us off by picturing the old covenant. Some of you, we're using these church words, covenant, the old covenant and new covenant. Maybe you don't know. Well, let me explain to you. When we say old covenant, what we really mean is the Old Testament of the scriptures. Okay, The promise that God had made to the Israelite people and to the world for that matter in the Old Testament. Does that kind of make sense? He said, I'm going to have a relationship with the world and I'm going to have a relationship with Israel. And here's how it's going to look. And in the old covenant, you might remember what God said. He told the people in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, he said, I'll be your God and you'll be my people. And he said this, if you'll follow me, you'll follow my commandments and you'll follow and you'll obey what I've said, then you're going to be my people. 
But then he said, if you go looking after other gods, and if you turn away from me, he said, I'll, I'll turn my back on you. He said, I'll send oppressors, and I'll, send, I'll put you in tribute, and I'll put you under other nations, Israel. He said, if you follow me, I'm with you. But if you don't follow me, then I will turn on you. That's what, it, that's what God said. If, you, if you're upset about that, I'll come back to that in a minute. But if you're upset about that, that is what God said in the Old Testament. And it was a conditional covenant. Follow me. If you follow me, then I'll be with you. If you don't follow me, then I'll turn on you. Here's Abimelech. And you remember Abimelech, what happened with him, right? Abraham, there was Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? And smoke was rising up to the sky. And Abraham was sitting afar off and he saw the smoke rising from Sodom. And so in chapter 20, Abraham got up and went to to a different place. He got up and he went to Kadesh. You might remember Kadesh. That's the place where the the Israelites resided before they went into the promised land. Abraham went to that same place, Kadesh. And there was a guy named Abimelech there. And Abimelech started to fall in love with Sarah And Abraham said, she's my sister. Remember that? And then Abimelech had to come pay Abraham. Abimelech has that dream. God threatened Abimelech in the dream. Abimelech comes back to Abraham and had to pay Abraham. He gave him 7,000 pieces of silver because Abraham had lied to him. These two had a very strained relationship. You remember he said, here, I've restored your wife. Here's 7,000 pieces of silver. He looked at Sarah and he said, here, I've restored you to your brother. Remember when he said that? And he said, here's the silver. I've restored you to your brother. He looked at Abraham and said, take whatever land you want. You can dwell here. Obviously, Abraham did. Abraham stayed in that land. So he's there. He's there among them. But that relationship is extremely strained. And now Abimelech comes to Abraham in chapter 21 and verse 22. Abimelech comes to Abraham and says, we notice something. God is with you in everything that you do. Now you understand the story. That would put Abraham in in this Kadesh area, in the land of Abimelech. That would put Abraham there for probably three, four, five years. Remember, there was no child in chapter 20 when when, uh, Abimelech was falling in love with Sarah. There was, no, uh, there was no child yet. Then the promised child came in chapter 21. Then he was weaned, right? So Abraham's been being watched by Abimelech for three or four or five years. And Abimelech says, we've noticed something. God is with you. In every, he's 100 years old. And he's got a child. Remember earlier in the, in the story, remember that Abraham went and fought off four kings that had actually just won a war. And he beat them with 300 of his own trained men. They said, we've been watching, and you know what we've noticed? God is with you in absolutely everything that you do. The old covenant, God said, here's how I'm going to be with you. Are you sticking with me? The old covenant said, here's how God's going to be with you. Follow what I say, and I'm going to be there. Well, I want to tell you there's a different covenant. There's a new covenant. That was Old Testament. Then there's a New Testament. There's a new covenant. Turn with me to these so you don't think I'm making up stuff and you don't get upset with me. Turn to Hebrews chapter 7. I know you're in Genesis. You go to the New Testament and go to Hebrews. Go to Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 22. See, God's making a covenant with the, in the Old Testament. He made a covenant and said, here's how I'll be with you. Follow me, do what I say, obey me, and I'll be with you. Well, God told us here in the New Testament age, here in the age of grace, God has told us something different. He's told us something better. Are you hearing this? There is a better covenant. It's in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety. Are you ready? Of a better covenant. 
Don't, don't, don't turn from there. Stay there for just a minute. I want you to turn over to Hebrews chapter 7, or just to look back at Hebrews chapter 7. Look at verse 18. Check this out with me. Ready? There's a better covenant. For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, are you ready? There is a bringing in of a better hope. A better covenant, a better hope. Through which we, you say it out loud, what do we do? Through which we? We draw near to God. Are you sticking with this? God says there's a new covenant. And here's the first part of the new covenant. And I need everybody to get this. God will be with you always. Do you understand the gravity of that statement? That is not God will be with you as long as you follow and obey him. And then God will turn on you if you, that's how some people live. They think that. They think, well, I went forward in church, but then I went to college and I backslid. So God turned from me. Friends, God never turned from you. You turned from God. There is a difference in the old covenant and the new covenant. The new covenant's a better covenant, and it's a covenant. Remember, Jesus said, this is the blood of the new covenant. And what was the blood of the new covenant? He will be with you all the time, everywhere, everywhere you go. You cannot get away. There was a guy, he was the governor of Minnesota. I think he was governor of Minnesota. At least he ran for uh, some political, before Minnesota's, on fire, literally, like it is. Uh, but, like, before, I don't know how many years ago this was, this guy's name was Tom Pagel, P-A-G-A-L. And he was re- running for re-election in Minnesota. And so he paid to have a publication put in the Minnesota Star. And in the Minnesota Star, he, he told them that his family had 100% supported his uh, running again to be re-elected. The headline that came out in the Minnesota Star said... Tom Pagel's family supports him 10% for re-election. Tom Pagel got so mad, he, he called them, he threatened to sue them. They had to rerun the article with the correct printing. Why? Because he wanted everyone to know that his family, he didn't want his family to support it. That makes no sense if your family's there 10%. Even 50% is real bad. Anything less than 100% doesn't sound good if somebody's trying to run for re-election, does it? Will you stick with this? God is with you 100%. It's not partway. It's not a little bit. Charles Spurgeon was quoted for saying this. I have to read it. It's too long for me to not read it. But this is Charles Spurgeon. He said, I think the greatest blessing God ever gives to a man is his own presence. If I had my choice of all the blessings of this life, I certainly would not ask for wealth for that, cannot, for that can bring no ease. I certainly should not ask for popularity, for there is no rest to the man upon whose words men constantly wait. And it's a hard task one has to perform in such a case as that. But I should choose as my highest honor to have God always with me. The greatest honor, the greatest blessing you could have is that God would be with you. And will you turn again in your Bible? Would you do this one again? Let's go to Ezekiel. I know that one's tough, but you can do it. Ezekiel, it's in the Old Testament. It's part of the major prophets. You'll see it, Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26. Ezekiel 36 and start in verse 26. I see you turning. I'm going to give you a second. Because you, if you read it, it's going to mean a whole lot more to you. 
Ezekiel 36 and verse 26. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will take away the heart of stone. Hmm, I wonder what the law was written on. I will take away the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. God says of the new covenant, he says, I will put my spirit inside of you. I will be with you. God will not leave us. He is with you in the new covenant. This is the blood of the new covenant, that God would be with you. I've got four more points, so I've got to keep moving. I want you to do this. Look back at Genesis chapter 21, and now look at verse 23. Remember, Abimelech comes to Abraham. He says, we notice something. God is with you in all that you do. So pick up in verse 23. Now, therefore, swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, with my offspring or with my posterity, but according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and to the land in which you have dwelt. Do you understand this? Abimelech had a strained relationship with Abraham. Remember before, Abraham had lied to him. He had to pay Abraham 7,000 pieces of silver to give his wife back because Abraham had lied to him. Abimelech comes to Abraham and says, I want a better relationship. Why did he want a better relationship? Because I see that God is with you in everything. And then in verse 23, what did he say? Promise me something that you won't turn on me. You won't deal falsely with me. Promise me that you will not deal falsely with me or with my children or with my posterity. Please don't deal falsely with me. I am asking you. Do you understand what he's saying? We've noticed God is always with you. So if you were to come against us, what could we do? Do you understand that's what Abimelech is saying, right? If you, Abraham, if you turn on us, what will we do, Abraham? I'm coming to you. I want to make a new covenant with you. Things have been strained between us, but we've been watching, and God is with you in everything that you do. Yeah, we know that you lied about the Sarah thing, but God is with you in absolutely everything, and we want to make a deal with you because if you came against us, we want to make sure you're not going to deal falsely with us. Friends, I want to tell you something. That is exactly what we have in the new covenant. The first thing is that we have God with us always. The second one is this, and you can write this one down. We have relief from any judgment. Imagine with me for a moment. I'm always shocked when I get to the book of the Revelation and I read that portion where these these people and the sun is burning them up. That's going to happen, by the way. That's Revelation. That's really going to happen. If you need to talk about Revelation sometime, you need to come talk with me because we're about to live it out. You you need to know that. Like the world is. I'm I'm going up, but some other people are going to stay. And if you need to know... I'll talk to you about that one too. But anyways, I'm amazed as God is just pouring out his wrath and his judgment. And people know that it's God and you know they know because they stand in the caves and shake their fist at God. And I think to myself, he's wiping out the stars and the sun and the moon and the tides are messed up. And there's famine and there's pestilence and there's wars and all these problems. And you obviously know that that it's God's judgment and somehow you still think you're going to stand against him. A few years ago, a woman called my wife, and she was looking for some counseling. And my wife said, you really need to talk to my husband. And so I began to talk with this woman. I I spoke with her probably a couple of hours. And we talked about God and his son Jesus. And she had all these questions. And we got to the end of that conversation. And she said, I don't like your God. And I told her, I said, well, the problem is God doesn't ask you if you like him. I said, you know, you you have to understand, he's still God. She didn't like some of the things that that we were talking about. 
She just wanted to live her own way, but she wanted God to come into her, into her little world. And, and when we were saying that he doesn't work that way, she said, I don't like your God. I said, well, it doesn't matter whether you like him or not. And she said, well, if your God is the real God, I don't want to follow him. I want you to think about this. If our God is the real God, you don't have a choice. What's your option? If God in heaven, you ever seen somebody get wiped out by a wave? That's the funniest thing. I watch those videos when people just get wiped out. You say, ever seen that somebody just get taken over by a wave? God looked at those waves and said, you can only go this far. And better than my children, they obeyed. They're, my kids are good. I don't mean that a bad way. That sounded worse than what it was. But, you know, like I tell my kids, I'm like, don't go any further than this. And, like, to turn around, and there they went. God told the waves you can only go this far, and that's how far they go. You think you're going to stand against him? What would you do? Flip the script. What if our God wasn't a loving God? What if he wasn't merciful? What would we do? Who could stand against him if he didn't love us? But blessed be his name. Here's the most wonderful thing. God has offered you a relief from any and all judgment. God has said, do you understand when God took his son and put him on a cross, God poured out his wrath that should be for you onto his son. And you think it's just the cross? Have you ever thought about the line that Jesus cried out? Remember when Jesus cried, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? Do you remember what he was saying? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Hang on, what's the first part of the new covenant? God is with you always. When Christ hung on the cross, he took your punishment. Where you should be separated from God, he was separated from God. He's been separated from God so that you don't have to be. And you never will be. See, Jesus said this is the blood of the new covenant. It's a new covenant. It's a better covenant. God will never be against you if you'll take this covenant. A few days ago, I don't know if I can tell the story. I'm going to try. A few days ago, the music minister. on it. Oh. Sorry. <clears throat> A few days ago, the music minister from Ballardsville, actually it was last Sunday, his name's Neil Green. Uh, he, he had texted me the night before and he said, hey, can we come over and we want to sing a song for your wife? And so they did. They came over and they semicircled up in our driveway, the, some of the uh, group did there uh, from Ballardsville, and, and Neil was there with his guitar. And they began to sing the song Blessing. Have you heard the song Blessing? Uh, it's on the radio right now. I, I couldn't quote all the words to you, but there's a bridge in that song, and I'm telling you, when they, when they sing the bridge, when, when we're going through like stage four cancer and life or death stuff, and you're talking, you know, we, what everybody didn't understand was that we had just had to make the decision, are we going to face chemo or not? And, and I was trying to tell somebody this earlier. I don't know if, if you can really understand that, it's easy. Sarah's, Sarah's dad had cancer two years ago. This, this conversation's come up. If we ever had cancer, we would do. Well, now when there is cancer, it's real hard to make that decision to say, are we going to do chemo or not? And we had to, we had to make that decision. Are you going to do it or are you not going to do chemo? And we had decided against the will of a lot of people, we decided that we're not going to do chemo. And I'm telling you, it's crying and prayers, lots of praying and fasting and crying in my house. And then here comes Neil Green over to our house. And he got to the bridge of that song and I lost it. The bridge of that song, it just repeats over and over this one line. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. Do you understand God is not against you? He's given a new covenant, a better covenant, and he's for you. 
He doesn't want to be against you. He wants to be for you. Look, I got to move on. Look, verse 24. He says, dwell, promise me this. You're going to dwell with me. Uh, you're going to dwell with me in the land. You're going to dwell with me with kindness. Abraham said, I will swear. Number one, God's with you always. Number two, he gives you relief from any judgment, eternal relief from any judgment. Number uh, 25, verse 25. Then Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of a well of water which Abimelech's servants had seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. Uh, uh, who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor had, had I heard of it until this day. Here's the third one, and it seems at first you're like, wait a second. They just had this reconciled relationship. Abimelech just comes and says, hey, God's with you in everything, and we want to make sure you're going to deal fairly with us. And so, hey, we're coming. Remember, Abraham had done him wrong before. And Abimelech's coming and saying, hey, we want to have a reconciled relationship. We want a new covenant. We want to make sure that, that you're going to be for us. And immediately, right after that, Abraham says, I'll swear it. Yep. I'll swear it. I'll, I'll deal kindly with you. Yep. And then immediately he does something. He rebukes him because of this well. There was a tension before. Remember, it was the old covenant. Abimelech and Abraham, there was tension. Apparently, there was so much tension that some of the servants of Abimelech had stolen the well or seized the well from Abraham. They said, hey, this is Abimelech's land. We'll get that well. That's ours. That was a precious thing to, to have a well. Abraham says, Abimelech, I'm glad that you've come to me. But I've got to rebuke you. There's something you did. You guys stole this well from me. Abimelech starts stumbling. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know anybody took that well from you. You understand the picture? Now, our mindset, because we're in this Western world and, and we hate these words like this, like rebuke, that we have that as a negative mindset. But I want to tell you something. It's not a negative. When you're in the new covenant, you have a chance to repent. You see, God says you can come and be with me, and then God gives you something that you didn't have before. And I'll explain it, and real, I promise I'll make sense of it. He gives you a chance to repent. You see, repentance without a renewed relationship, are you ready for this? It's worthless. Repentance without a renewed relationship is totally worthless. It doesn't do you any good. There was a young man in my neighborhood when I was growing up, and we were all worried. We all thought that his dad was abusive. And one day, to our horror, we watched. There was about six of us or seven of us standing in his driveway. And we had knocked on the door, and he came outside. And he had no sooner shut the door behind him, we heard this barreling, and his dad ripped open the door. And yelling does not describe the way this guy was screaming at his son to go back in the house because he was supposed to clean his room. The son put his head down. I watched as the son put his head down to obey and tried to walk back in the house. And his dad kicked him in the back and knocked him face forward. And he didn't stop. He walked over and he kicked him two more times and said, get up and go clean your room like I told you. And he screams at him. And I think the only reason he stopped is because he looked back and realized we were all standing in the driveway mortified. We ran back to my house and we called the police. And we told the police, the police didn't do anything. They came out, and uh, they, they didn't do anything. They just said they were going to come out and monitor. They'd be out a couple more times. They'd send out CPS, but the police didn't do anything that day. The following day, we went to school, and there he was. And he had a new pair of tennis shoes on his feet. We all, when we'd get together, we all loved to skateboard and rollerblade, and he had a new pair of Airwalks. They were an expensive shoe. And everybody said, where'd you get those? And you know what he did? He put his head down and he said, my dad took me out and bought them. I ran into him after we graduated. I was about 22 and I ran into him. 
he was headed out for California to go try to be a pro skateboarder. I asked him how things were going, and he told me he'd been homeless for a couple of years because he ran off from his dad the day he turned 18. It's weird. Getting him a pair of shoes didn't do any good, did it? You see, repentance without a reconciled relationship is worthless. You can say you're sorry. You can say, Let, let's, go, let's go the other way. Let's use a big old sin. Let's say that you're an alcoholic. And you say, I'm going to get rid of all the alcohol. I hate alcohol, so you're going to get rid of all of it. That'd be great. Alcohol brings you nothing but problems. Get rid of all of it. But if you don't reconcile your life to God, you're going to be a clean, non-alcoholic, lost person. God doesn't say, if you'll get rid of all the alcohol, or if you'll never lie again, or if you stop cursing, that then you get to be mine. No, God says, I will make you mine. You will be mine. And then you know what he does? He begins working on you, and he gives you a chance to repent. That's only something we can do when we're in the new covenant. I know, I'm not going to check the time because it will make me rush. Let's just do this. Can you, are you all good to stick with this? I know I'm late. Look, verse, look at what happens. Abimelech gets rebuked, and then verse 27, So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant, and Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. And Abimelech asked Abraham, What is the meaning of the seven ewe lambs which you have set by themselves? And he said, You will take these seven ewe lambs from my hand, that they may be my witness that I have dug this well. And therefore he called this place Beersheba because the two of them swore an oath. Now do you get it? First they take oxen and sheep and a whole bunch of things and Abimelech understands that one. That's the way to make a covenant in the Old Testament. They're making a promise. Hey, deal, deal honestly with us here in this land. Be kind with us like we've been kind with you. Abraham said, I'll swear. They make the covenant and here's the sign of the covenant. Abraham rebukes him and then they're going to make the sign of the covenant. Here's some oxen, here's some lamb. Abimelech got that one, but then Abraham does something else. Now you got to remember, Abraham's old. I don't think Abimelech's old because Abimelech shows up a little later with Isaac. But, but Abraham's 100 years old. I just hear him with that old voice as he turned around and he said, uh, hang on a second. And he probably went over and he, he gets seven more lambs. And he brings them to Abimelech and he puts them down in front of Abimelech. You see him and the shepherd driving seven little lambs over. And Abimelech, he doesn't get what's going on either. Abimelech says, whoa, what, what's this about? And did you catch this? Abraham just rebuked Abimelech. You stopped up a well. You seized a well from me. Abimelech repents of that and here comes Abraham and gives him seven ewe lambs. Abimelech says, what's with the ewe lambs? And Abraham said, this way you're going to take these lambs from my hand that, that they may be a witness that I dug this well. There's a fourth part of the new covenant that you all need to understand. It is every bit from start to finish. It is God's work. It's not your work. Abraham, think about this, Abraham dug the well. It was on Abraham's land that Abraham had. And Abraham just brought Abimelech seven ewe lambs. Do you get this? Put this picture together in the, new t in the new covenant. You have a relationship with God. A new relationship. Can't be separated. You never have to face judgment. He gives you a chance to repent. And then when you repent, he turns around and he blesses you. Do you get that? In the new covenant, when I repent, when, when you and I, when we're in a restored relationship and we say, wait a minute, God doesn't want me to do that anymore, and we repent, then God turns around and he gives us blessings for it. I'll prove it to you. Look in Ephesians chapter 2. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. 
I'm going to start reading because I've got a lot to read. If you're still turning, go there anyways. Ephesians 2 and verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. Did you understand that? God took you from being a sinner and raised you up and made you sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You're his workmanship to do good works. In the new covenant, remember Jesus said this is the blood of the new covenant. You've been saved, you're his, and he gives you a chance to repent, and then you do. And then you know what he does? He who created that work in you, he turns around and he blesses you for it. Our God is a merciful God, and this is a better covenant, a new covenant. Let's finish out. There's one more. I love the way this ends. Here comes Abraham. They just made the deal. Abraham gives them seven lambs, blesses them with seven ewe lambs, and says, this is the sign that I dug the well. Here, here's seven ewe lambs for the well that I dug. And now look in verse 32. Then they made a covenant at Beersheba. And so Abimelech rose with Phicol, the commander of his army, and they returned to the land of the Philistines, and Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines many days. Abraham makes a a sign for himself, a a symbol, if you will. He goes and he gets a tamarisk tree. Now, a tamarisk tree is pretty interesting because they take a long time to grow. They're not fast growing. So he goes and he gets this tree and he plants a tree. Remember, he had left where he was and he went to Kadesh. That was Abimelech's land. And then now here in Abimelech's land, he plants this tree. And the Bible ends with he stayed in that land for many years. I want to finish out with this, the new covenant that God offers you, the new covenant, the, new, the better promise that he offers you. It's not an ending point, friends. It's a starting point. When you take the new covenant, when you enter into this covenant with God, God says, I want to make a covenant with you. What's that covenant he wants to make? I will be with you. I'll be with you and I'll never judge you. The judgment's already passed. The judgment's already been on Christ. I'll never judge you. I won't forsake you. I won't leave you. Neither height nor depth nor principalities nor things to come. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And he gives us a chance to repent. And then we do. And he blesses us for that. And you know what happens? He gives us more and more and more. And after I've repented of one thing, he sets something else in me and says, "Now, now you can repent of this. And then he blesses me again and again. And again, and my relationship with him is not a stagnant relationship. And we love to call it a walk and a journey, and that's a true statement. It is. But friends, our relationship with God is even more than that. It actually grows. And this is a relationship. Think through the old covenant. This is a relationship that's so much better than the old covenant. In the old covenant, remember, think of of Israel as a whole. When David was there, yeah, everything was great. But then when Manasseh was there. Israel wasn't so great, were they? 
Think of the judges. Even judges, if you read the first chapter of the book of Judges, and what do we see? As long as the judge was there, everybody was good. But as soon as the judge would die, everybody would actually go even worse than where they were before. Even think about persons, individual persons. Think of somebody like Samson. Samson had the spirit of God with him. His hair was growing out, and he was so strong, he lifted up the city gates and carried them off one day. But then he kept sinning, and he kept sinning, and he kept sinning, and eventually he told Delilah what would actually take his strength away, and she cut off all his hair that night. And it really wasn't the hair that was such a big deal as much as the Spirit of God left him. And he knew that too, because if you remember at the end of that story, they gouged his eyes out, they caught him, and they had Samson tied between a couple of poles. And don't you remember what happened? Samson prayed to God, and God sent not his hair to grow back, but God sent his Spirit on Samson one more time. In the old covenant, there was this back and forth tension, but God says there's a new covenant, a better covenant. Let's do it one more time. Can you do it one more with me? Would you be willing to look over at, at Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6? And I'm just going to go ahead and read that. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry. Inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. God has offered you a better covenant. I'll close with one story. This woman came into our store. She wanted me to build her a chair. We would do that. We, we would build chairs as much as we would recover them. And she told me, she said, I'm having this problem. She said, my kids keep breaking the arms of my chairs. I get a new chair, and then the kids break the arm of the chair. She said, we've been through so many chairs. The kids keep breaking the arms of the chairs. I said, it won't be a problem. I can guarantee you my arms will not break. The arms of these chairs will not break. And she looked at me with all seriousness. She said, now how can you guarantee me such a thing? And I said, easy. I'm going to build it with better stuff. They're not going to break the arms that I put in there because I'm going to put in two-inch kiln-dried hardwood. Her, her, her chair frame, this is a true statement, her chair frame before I upholstered it weighed 100 pounds. Her kids weren't breaking. Dynamite wasn't going to break those arms. It was a better product. Now listen to what I'm trying to tell you. God's offered you a new covenant. And it's built on better promises. And those promises say this. I'll pour out my spirit on you. I'll take my, God said, I'll take my spirit and I'll put it inside of you. And I'll be with you forever. That's what God has offered. The blood of the new covenant. And so I close with this today. Are you in the new covenant? Do you have a new covenant relationship with God? I'm not asking you, please, please forgive this for a moment, but I'm not asking you if you walked forward in an aisle at a Baptist church and said uh, that you believed in Jesus. That's not what I'm asking you. And I'm not asking you to throw your hand up in the back and say, yeah, I prayed that prayer. I'm asking you if you are in a new covenant relationship with the one who offered it. Because if you're in that relationship, you can never be separated. He has offered you, to, he has offered God in heaven has said, I'll be with you. I'll come to where you are, and I'll be with you. And it's a, that's a starting point. And it lasts not until you die. It's not, a marriage, it's not marriage vows. It's not till death do you part. No, what starts right now, God sets you up in heavenly places, and it's for all eternity. Do you have that relationship, a new covenant relationship with him? If you don't, I hope that you'll make that right right now. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. How about we all stand up? Heavenly Father, Lord, we turn to you in the name of Christ, your Holy Son, and we ask you that you would move in this place. Who are we, God, that you would be so mindful of us 
that you would offer us this type of a covenant. We don't deserve. That's obviously why it's grace. So we just take a moment right now to recognize what a wonderful opportunity you've given us to be in a relationship with you. And thank you, God, that you hold on to that relationship. God, thank you that we are in your hands and no man can pluck us out. Lord, we are are more than indebted to you. We are in love with you. May your name be praised and glorified from our lips and from our lives. And Father, we want to take a moment right now and ask you to just move on this place. If somebody doesn't know you in this place, if somebody's watching online and they don't have an, a new covenant relationship with you, Father, would you, would you put that on their heart right now that they need to make that right with you? Father, would you draw them unto yourself? I'm not speaking to them. God, I'm asking you, would you please draw them unto yourself through your son Jesus, who was so gracious that he offered his own life in place of mine? who was so gracious that he took sinners like us and he's raised us up to heavenly places and he offers us eternity. We love you more than everything. Would you move upon this time of invitation? In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you made it all the way through the sermon. Thanks so much for sticking with us. Don't forget you can find all of our sermons at saltandlightbaptist.com slash media. You can join us live on Sunday morning on Facebook or at saltandlightbaptist.com slash live. We'll see you next week.